This episode is brought to you by Delta Airlines. One of the most underrated parts of a trip is that flight home. And that's why Delta Airlines tries to make you feel at home long before you even get there. Now, for somebody like me that's a homebody, feeling at home in the air is very valuable to me. And I love to curate that comfortable experience. And what I love about Delta is they have over a thousand hours of in-flight entertainment. They have Wi-Fi so I can do anything else that I want to do on my devices. They have great food and drink, and it just creates a positive end to my trip. They have fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi available for SkyMiles members, more than a thousand hours of in-flight entertainment, and they have premium food options and beverages like herbal teas, cold brew, sparkling wine, and more. All of the comforts that you'll find at home, you can find in a flight experience that feels made just for you. You may not be home yet, but Delta Airlines helps you feel a little bit more like it. Delta Airlines believes that you should feel at home, even if you're 30,000 feet above it. Learn more at Delta.com. You are listening to Blessed and Bossed Up, presented by Anchored Media, an entrepreneurship podcast for Christians all about how to make God the CEO of your business. Get ready to be inspired, challenged, but well-equipped to live and build your destiny His way. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Blessed and Bossed Up podcast. I am really excited about today's interview because I talk about Kristen on the show all the time. I think I talked about you the last time I had said how we fasted and because I was talking about how the media company came about and I said that I was fasting because I was fasting with you. And then I was telling people they need better friends if their friends not going to pass. So it was a whole little thing. But then I had said that I was going to have you on the show. So I'm just so excited to have you here today. I mean, we met maybe like what, last year? Mm-hmm. Through the Cabo yep. trip? Yep. And Cabo. That's like, how amazing is it to be in Cabo, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you are just like so amazing. And I read oh. your bio, so everybody knows all the dope accomplishments you have. But I really want people to get to know you because not only are you amazing in business, but you are such a powerful woman of God. And so with this show, I really just want people to understand how those two go together. So I'm going to stop sizing you. I'm just going to go to the beginning. <laughs> That's a DC term, y'all. <laughs> you knew the DC, so I had to get you with a new DC term. Right. <laughs> but let's start from the beginning. So tell us how you got into entrepreneurship. Okay. And first and foremost, thank you so much for just having me on this podcast. I mean, Blessing Boss Up is everything to me. I love <laughs> the society. I love the podcast. I love you. And I also love your book. You know, I have your God is my CEO book and I use it all the time. So just wanted to acknowledge that. But me, how did I get into business? Well, yeah, let's take you back. Let's take it way back to when I was 22. Um, I started my first company at the age of 22. Um, it was a public relations and marketing firm with my old business partner, Katrina Highsmith. And honestly, it was during a recession in 2009. And we had a job, you know, I had a job working for corporate for McDonald's. So I did that for a year, but I had my little business on the side that I tried to start, but it was just having this entrepreneurial spirit out of nowhere. None of my family was entrepreneurs. Nobody I really knew was entrepreneurs. It was kind of just a, like jumped into the field. And 
just kind of started from there. And I felt the passion was like so strong. So I left my job after one year. I was actually doing really well at that company. And I left it after one year and I packed all my stuff up, moved to Atlanta and just started pursuing my career in public relations. So I did that for about six years, six or six or seven years. And recently sold that business to my business partner and then went into another business. But that's how I kind of jumped into entrepreneurship. So when I first started my first business, I'll just be honest, I didn't know what I was doing. I'll say that (laughs) I was like winging it, you know what I'm saying? For real, strong winging it, you know, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, it was pretty successful, you know, so just imagining or just knowing what, you know, God has done after really understanding the foundation of Christ, because in my first business, I didn't have that. I definitely didn't. I knew God. I obviously knew God who knew he was. I was been raised in the church, but I didn't have a foundation of him. So it wasn't like the business was built on Christ, you know? And so that was a struggle in my first business because I was like all over the place. Yeah. Okay. Hold on now. Cause <laughs> this is a whole podcast in and of itself. Yes. How in the world did you just be like, cause so many people struggle with the decision of I'm going to leave my job and, or preparing to leave the job yeah. to become a full-time entrepreneur. You were just like, um, I'm going to just do it. And yeah. we're going to see what happens. Like, were you always like that? Just naturally a risk taker or how did you get to that point? Tatum, I've always been like this. I've never changed. I've been a very stubborn person. If I want something, I want it. My whole family knows it's just something in me. If I see something that I want, I'm going after it. And I just felt like, you know, after a year of being at my job, I was like, this isn't me. This isn't what I want. You know, and, and to be honest, I would never recommend no one to do this though. Cause I literally jumped up. I didn't have that much saving. I was young. I was young and I wanted to be in Atlanta as well. You know, I went back after I graduated and got a job in Connecticut. So it was a difference. And I didn't want to be around the people that I grew up around because it was like, they weren't feeding me. They weren't allowing me to grow. I felt stagnant. I felt complacent. I didn't feel like I was living like my dreams. And so I literally sent in my resignation letter and my boss was looking at me like, what? You are sitting here presenting for millionaires at the age of 22 years old, you know, doing work for PR for McDonald's, like one of the top company fast food restaurants. And you're telling us that you're about to leave? Like, They were all looking at me crazy. My parents were like, you're crazy. Like you have a steady job and you got it right after college because I had really, really good internships. And I did a lot of amazing things in college that prepared me for a job that was so good. But in my heart, it was like, I can't do this. And it was like one of those things where I didn't even question it. And I just was like, I'm out. Like it was crazy. I still don't even understand how I even had the boldness to do something like that. Yeah. But then you moved to Atlanta and you sold the business. How did you even go about that? Because I think that's a important factor in and of itself, because a lot of people do leave businesses that they're doing with partners and they don't think to or don't really know how to sell it. So how did you go about even that part? So really just like season into season, you know, I had to get a lawyer to get in and we had to talk about it because to be honest, I was holding on to that business for the dear life of me. Like Mm -hmm. I was holding on and it was to a point where I was like, 
I kept hearing God say, like, Kristen, I'm sending you into a different direction. And, you know, I love my ex-business partner so much. So I think I was so tied to our relationship and what we mm-hmm. built. And I was like, oh my God, I can't let her go now. I can't tell her I can't do this anymore. But I felt that for a long time, to be really honest. In my heart, I felt like this wasn't what I was supposed to be doing anymore. And I had also started my other company, Dangerous of the Mind. I had started that already in the midst of me doing that business. So it was just really about getting a lawyer in place and saying, okay, what do we have? What have we made? You know, how can we turn this into you taking everything. So she actually, the name was Cage 2 Public Relations and she now has it as the Highsmith Group, but still doing business as, you know, Cage 2 Public Relations because we had a lot of contacts through that business. But it was just really about, we didn't know, we were young too. So we didn't know how to really do all of that, but we brought a lawyer in, set some paperwork up and analyzed where we were, where we started at, you know, analyzed what we had put on, some of our business credit cards and, you know, what we use and how we had to pay that off. And we really were really mature about it, which was a blessing because we both were in transitioning. She was like, oh, Lord, what am I about to do? Because we were both so used to being together. So to Mm -hmm. kind of separate ourselves was a very, very hard transition. And I would say it was a very hard transition for me. I don't know how much for her so much, but for me, it was very hard. That's a really good point. Something you said I wrote down was be mature in your business. Mm -hmm. And even though you were young and aged, like you said, you were mature about your business. Yeah. So that's something that everybody that's listening really needs to take heed to. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter if you don't know what's going on. If it's business related, you need to find the experts who know what's going on. So if you're right. trying to figure out even how to start your business or how to legally form your business, right. don't go to, what is it? Legal Zoom. No. Get you a lawyer, somebody that yes. knows the law in your area, knows business law in your area. Right. Talk to them. Even if you can't, let's say, find or afford a lawyer, going using resources like the Small Business Association or whatever, just be mature about your business. I think these days it's so easy to just put up an Instagram page and say you're an entrepreneur or just say, Hey, I saw a post today. It was in a Facebook group. I don't even know why I'm even still in this group, but it was a (laughs) Facebook group. And somebody was like, Hey, I want a side hustle. And I'm thinking about doing graphic design. Is it okay if I only know how to use Canva? What? So (laughs) you want to just go and take templates and create stuff and call yourself a graphic designer so you can collect a couple coins on the side. Like that doesn't make any sense. That's not even ethical. You don't Mm -hmm. know what you're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) it's so easy to just say, Hey, I'm open for business that people aren't as mature about things as they need to be. Even for me building this media company now, I'm like, okay, there are some things on paper. Everything is cool. Like legally we're good, but there's still some things that I need to do to make sure that this business is being built to the caliber of what it's going to become. This is my own network, you know, Oprah Winfrey Network. This is my multi-million dollar thing that God is going to use to not only make me millions, but allow me and everybody attached to me to impact millions of people. I need to be mature about that. Yep. So anybody too that is listening to this show the business that you're starting is something that God has given you this vision. You need to be mature about it. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to him. You owe it to the people that you're going to go out there and help. So don't take starting businesses lightly. I mean, of course you're going to make mistakes. Of course it's going to be stuff you don't know. Like all of that is fine. It's a part of the journey, but be mature about it as well. So 
yeah, I had to just dive in on that one real quick. No, but- and don't <laughs> mistakes I made because I definitely made that mistake, you know, and I was so excited to jump in. And it wasn't even a time of Instagram and everybody was in entrepreneurship like that. This was back in the day. So it was just a fire in me, to be honest. But I had to really grow that and learn more. But I learned a lot in my first business and I would never take it back. I would never like regret it because it really was the foundation of who I am now. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Skillshare. Now, I know you guys know by now how much I love Skillshare. I don't think I'll ever get over the fact that there are so many different classes available on this one platform at such an affordable rate. I can go in there and learn about film and video, um, graphic design. Now being a new mom, my priorities are changing. I now have to be a lot more productive than before so I'm able to go on there and learn how to better manage my time it's just so many opportunities to be creative and productive through the classes that's offered on Skillshare and Skillshare even offers classes designed for real life and all of the circumstances that come along with it so it's always the right time to stay inspired express yourself and connect with a community of millions literally the skills and things that you can learn on this platform are so essential to no matter what phrase that you are in life right now there's something for everybody who is looking to build a skill who's looking to be creative or just curious about new things explore your creativity and get two free months of premium membership at skillshare.com slash blessed. That's two whole entire months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. Get started and join today by heading to skillshare.com slash blessed. Again, that's two free months, you guys, of unlimited access to thousands of classes at skillshare.com slash blessed. Let's get back to the show. So then you said you started Dangers of the Mind while you were there. So then after you sold it to her, you guys got everything taken care of legally. What happened after that? Well, before that, let me just say something that's very important to even how Dangers of the Mind was came about because I was living very well in Atlanta, I would say, as far as like I lived in Buckhead. I had a rooftop, had a pool. That was my first place I ever had in Atlanta. Loved it. And I was also like turned up all the time. And so I lost three major things happened in my life. And I mentioned this in my book, and this is the foundation of my book, Dangers of the Mind, talks about how I lost my, first of all, I actually was in a car with some people coming from the club. And then once I got out the car, I was like really persistent to go home. And they were like, oh no, let's party, let's send the party. And I had been drinking really, really bad. Like I was drunk. But the thing about me, when I used to be drunk, like off my behind, like you wouldn't tell. So I was still like a person that was very functional. So I got in the car and I ended up driving home because my house was literally around the corner. And I spun around seven times and smacked into a pole. I had uh, hit water. It was like torrential downpours and Mm -hmm. my car was totaled. And then the month after that, my condo flooded. So of course God was like, girl, hold on, chill out, stop. And so he really told me like, I lost everything. I literally lost everything. And I had to come to such a humble place to go back to North Carolina and stay with my parents. And I stayed with them for like a year. But it's crazy because when I walked in the door to my parents' house, I heard dangers of the mind. 
that as mm-hmm. soon as I walked in and I went upstairs to my mom's office and I grabbed a red pen. That was the only pen I could find. And I wrote dangers of the mind down. And it was just crazy because the next day I had no computer. The next day I opened up my mom's laptop and I just started writing. And that is really what started the book dangers of the mind. And then from that book, it just spiraled into all these different things. So that's what made me start a company. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I, I need to, start something with this because I'm getting booked to speak and the book is out. But really I wrote that book in a matter of three months. And then in order to get like an editor and to get a graphic designer and to go through the whole process of getting all the things you need to self-publish my book, I end up publishing the book in nine months. And so God revealed to me that you just birthed a baby. You know, this is a baby. It's a, this is a gift to the world. And this is what I'm, I'm using you to speak to the people and save a lot of people's lives. So that's how the whole company was even brought about was through that first book. So I wanted to make that very clear because it wasn't like I just woke up one day and was like, oh, dangers of the mind. You know, it was really amazing process that happened through me. Yeah. Yeah. So take me back to that place because I can only imagine how you felt. Mm-hmm. I mean, you living your best life in Atlanta, that's like amazing. every 20 something's dream yes. is to be out in these streets, yep. Yep. <laughs> make your money. The whole day change, girl. I walk my dog <laughs> and the whole day change. I'm like, oh, day party. Oh, I'm going here. Like I was living. Exactly. And so that's how we live. Right. And right. especially in the major cities, I know right. in DC, that's a big thing too, but you're living your best life for what it was at that point. Right. You get into this accident, you get humbled, you got to move back home, you lose everything. Uh How did that feel? And then how did you pull yourself out of that to be able to birth this thing that God gave you? So when I tell you, like, even thinking about this moment right now just brings like fear a little bit sometimes to my heart because I never want to go back to that place because I like promised myself, I even promised God because I was in such a, low space. I mean, it was such a depressed place. I was in a place where my moods would change. Like one morning, I'll be really, really happy. The next morning, I'll be so sad. I'll be sleeping all day. It was bad because I had success so early in life that when I lost it all, I didn't know what to do. My identity was wrapped around in my success. So when I lost everything, I didn't know who I was. Like I told you, there was really no foundation of Christ in my first business. We would pray, you know, on the phone and we would do those type of things, but there was no like, we got to God lead this deal versus us, you know? And so I learned the difference in that. And that time was just, when I had lost it all, it was just a very dark space for me, but God got me out. Like in writing, I learned that when I write, God allows me to get through situations through my writing, if that makes sense. So like I'm writing actually a book right now and God is like literally taking me out of situations. He's giving me strategies to get out of the situations I'm in as I'm writing this book. So every book to date that I believe that I'll ever write in life, I'm literally going through it as I'm writing it. So Mm -hmm. Rangers of the Mind, I was literally going through every single attack that was against my thought life that shifted my progress. That is Dangers of the Mind. So I was going through fear. I was going through brokenness. I was going through insecurities. I was going through complacency. I was going through distractions. I was going through perception issues, just like 
being a certain way and then now I don't have anything and feeling like everybody's looking at me like I don't have something and caring about what other people think. I was going through a lot of pride issues and a lot of ego, you know, so all those different dangers of the mind that were attacking me, I literally had to identify them. I had to become aware of those things. And then I had to say, okay, I'm no longer going to be a victim of these things, but I'm going to turn this around and do you know, honestly, through biblical scriptures and through prayer and through meditation and through really seeking God and through a lot of prayer from my family, a lot of prayer. My family is, my mom is an elder. My dad is a deacon. My aunts are pastors. My whole family is in the church. And so all of them were literally like, praying. I felt the prayers. It was like, you are not going to get stuck in this thing. You know, you are going to get out of this thing because God was trying to get my attention. I mean, the way I was going and the path I was going in Atlanta, it would have destroyed me. I I literally was, I was setting myself up for destruction. And so if I didn't get out of there, if he didn't snatch all those things up from me, I would have been destroyed. So that's good. And I took two things out of that one for you guys. One, God is just, he's a God of grace. Yes. You know what I mean? Grace and mercy. And so I think it's such a blessing how something that was so tragic turned out to be something that is so amazing as we get deeper into where your business has gone. I think it's just a reminder even to me as I'm listening, and I want you guys to take note of this as you're listening, just how God works and how gracious he is and how we turn back to him because he gives us the free will to do whatever. So she could have went home, got a job, got herself back on her feet, and then headed back to Atlanta to continue whatever she was doing, and she wouldn't be in a position that she is today. Right. So it just shows just how good God is and how he will make the things that even the situations you got yourself into work out for your good when you turn back to him. Right. And another thing too, that I wanted to touch on is how then did you take this book that you created? You came up with these dangers of the mind and you're working things out as you're going through it. You took this and you said you wanted to turn it into a business. How did you decide that this was going to be a business and education? Because most people may have looked at it like, oh, I'm going to, let's say, be a life coach and help people that are struggling through their 20s or whatever. That seems like the easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. But how did you take this and say, no, I'm going to build a curriculum and put them into schools? This was all God. I can't even explain to you, Tatum. There's no explanation for how this book turned into, like, an education. But I will say that I do have a good friend named Portia who called me in 2015, no, the beginning of 2015, I think. And she was like, she was actually on a bus coming from New York and she was reading my book. And she was like, Kristen, like, she was like, your book is SEL all day. And I was like, okay. You know? And she was like, no, Kristen, I need you to understand this. Like, literally, this is like God given. Like, she was like really affirming me. And, you know, I hear like people was calling me and like, oh my God, I relate to your book so much. And like all these different things and like Facebook and me. And I was like, thank you so much. Like people was doing all of that. But when she said that, that was just confirmation for me because my aunt is, she has been in the district and education for a very long time. And she told me the same exact thing. So when Portia called me. I was like, okay, God, what do you want me to do with this? Like, what am I supposed to be doing with this? And so literally I just started reading and reading and reading. Like all I was doing was reading, trying to understand how to correlate social emotional learning skills with like practical life, but then also how to correlate them with the dangers of the mind that God had given me. 
these attacks that constantly happen against your thought that delay progress, like major progress every single day. And so he started downloading to me about how there are so many people in this world that are not moving forward due to fear, that are stagnant, that are seeing their dreams pass them by. And I'm like, well, how can I allow them to understand this on a deeper level through social emotional learning? And this is when SEL wasn't as big as it is now. It was still like a conversation and very, very small like conversation. But right now it's such a huge conversation. And I could have never saw this coming. I could have never knew that the field that God was pushing me into was literally the field that was about to be this huge deal as it is right now and today. Yeah, because I definitely didn't hear about SEL. Because even back when I was doing the Queen Academy, I wasn't hearing about SEL. It wasn't until I think the teacher that I know that works at one of the schools you work at, I think he's the first one who introduced it to me. But Mm. now it's definitely something that's becoming big. And I think you talking about how God was downloading things to you and you were getting confirmation. It's just a testament to how God is the ultimate strategist. And I love your story because we talk about making God the CEO and a lot of people talk about it as far as like, God gave me this business idea and then they skip all the way to the success. Right. But they don't talk about how God will give you the strategy in the details. Even when we were talking beforehand about what I'm doing and things like that, I was like, I didn't even know any of this stuff was an option right. <laughs> until like this business model that I've created and then I'm growing. Who do I go to be like, how did you do this? They don't exist. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's only God that will say, hey, do this this way. This is how you reach the person. This is how you formulate this. So God will really give you the strategies if you seek him. Yeah. So you got into SEL. So how did you get into the first school? So after I developed what I had, I was like, okay, I need to test this out. Because I was like, I don't even know if this is going to work. You know, like, to be honest, I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work. God, you gave this to me. I believe it's going to work, but I don't know if this is going to work. So my same friend who was like, SEL, SEL, I went to one school first, and it was in North Carolina. And they were like, oh, you don't have any data. Like, you know, we don't want to pilot it. And they didn't want to pay me to pilot it. And so I just kept hearing God say, no, like, that's not it. That's not where you need to go. And so then, then Portia, she had a principal at one of her schools she works at that it's an alternative school. And so I kept hearing, this is where you need to be as far as challenging kids. And so at first I'm like, okay, God, are you sure? And so I went and spoke with her principal and we just connected on all different levels from our background, like with our relationships with our fathers to, I mean, we was in the office in tears, like, to be honest with you, it was was the most relatable conversation. And she was like, I'm going to pick my top kids, my top 50 kids in this school that I feel like really need this program. She was like, and I want you to test this with them. 25 kids, one semester, 25 kids, another semester. So I was like, bet, let's do it. So I packed up all my stuff and moved to DC in 2016 on faith. Everything I do, Tatum, is on faith. I just want to stress that because it may not make sense to you, but I'm telling you at the end, you're going to say, oh, wow. Like even me moving back to DC recently was all faith and God just opened the doors wide. And so I 
came and I tested it. I had my first 25 kids. I had kids literally from wearing ski masks to school and it wasn't because they was cold. You know what I'm saying? They was out mm-hmm. doing what they was doing before they came to school. I had girls that were 13, 14, dropping their babies off before they came to school. One of my kids was shot four times at the age of 14 and fully recovered. I had kids that was on K2 losing their minds and got them on track. And so I seen something as I was literally teaching this class, I was allowed to be able to see what God was doing. I literally saw his vision, not mine, but his vision come to full circle and just be my reality. So every day that I was in there, I considered what I was doing in honor, but I also considered it mission work and evangelistic work at the same time, because I was literally pulling these kids out of places that they were so low, their minds were mentally in such a low state and really giving them their power back, you know, allowing them to understand who they are through culturally responsive resources that are going to be relatable to them and that are going to allow them to express themselves in ways that they have not before. But that's where that started. And so once I got in that school, And I proved that this program worked. Then the district picked it up to try it in all the Choice Academy schools in Washington, D.C. And then from there, you know, the first time I did this, to be honest with you, I didn't even have like hardcore data because I was focused on like, does this work? Like I was focused on seeing the kids, seeing the effects of the kids. I didn't even think about like to get the data. I didn't even think about that. And then, but I did get like testimonials. We did a huge video and I wasn't even in the video. I heard God say like, this is not about you. So I didn't even get in the video. It was literally teachers, psychologists, social workers, principals, and district leads, and the students that came and talked about the impact of the program. And from that one video allowed me to get into the schools I'm in now. Oh, there's so much I want to pull out of the story. I'm trying to stay on my course. Okay. So how many schools are you in now? So right now we're in eight schools and three different districts. And that's a blessing in itself because we are still testing a theory of change model that I've developed on which I'm really excited about. But the thing about it that was so difficult to me was that I... I would say the reason why it took me so long was because I'm in alternative settings and I always want to be known as someone that is being called, their company is called when they have challenging students that they need help with. And so Mm -hmm. being in this type of space is very challenging in itself because not only was I pioneering social and emotional learning, but I was also, and I am still also pioneering just the, how can I say it, the consistency of teachers to teach this program especially in these spaces because we have a lot of teachers that are burnt out a lot of teachers that are not as consistent because you know you may have a kid that can cuss them out in two minutes before a social emotional class so they're like i'm about to teach this kid that just cussed me out some social emotional skills you know they feel some type of way and so it's harder to really like get the program up and going in these spaces is as it opposed to it being like a comprehensive school to God be the glory, you know, we are in these eight schools in three different districts. And then this year coming up, I'm really, really excited because we have right now we're talking to about six new districts about having the curriculum all throughout the districts. But then also I have another resource, not just my curriculum. I have an intervention kit, which is for in-school suspension. And so God gave me this. This is all God. I'm trying to tell you it's all God. And I want to stress that because all my writing, like when I tell you, I don't even remember sitting down and writing. I remember sitting down and writing, but I don't remember 
how God gave me these ideas. Like, I believe that the Holy Spirit seriously wrote a lot of the things that I'm doing. Like, I prayed one day for my intervention kit. I said, God, how do you want me to develop this? And I went and started going to different schools and sitting in on their ISS. And I was like sitting there, I was act like a visitor, literally taking a visitor pass and asking them if I could just, you know, view their in-school suspension, see how it looked. And I saw so many kids that were like heads down, listening to YouTube, a lot of young black boys, actually, you know, majority of them were young black boys that were literally just in there doing nothing. And so I'm like, where's the self-reflection piece? And so that's when, of course, God started downloading, downloading, downloading everything to me to start writing scenarios, just scenarios that kids go through every single day. And then relating those scenarios to how they can learn a social and emotional skill through that specific scenario. So of course, every single scenario that comes to life, like I had a dream one night and the dream was basically like fear. It was emoji of fear. And the fear was like, looking me in the face and was like, Hey, my name is fear. And I was like, what? Like, you know, I, the dream was crazy. But then when I woke up, I literally started writing my intervention kit like that. So every single scenario is a, the dangers of the mind, but it's personified. So they're emojis. Like they're literally my graphic designer just develop emojis. And, and it's like fear. You'll have a place of brokenness where the emojis look sad. And you're like, hi, my name is brokenness. And you're reading as if it's personified, you know, as a actual character. Mm. And so that's how the intervention kit was created. And I've just developed scenarios on top of that. But that was crazy in itself, <laughs> how that happened. Um, so not only do God provide me with one resource, there was another. That came as well. This is so good. So let me ask this before I get into my questions. <laughs> let, let me ask this for those, because I do know that there are people who listen to the show who are in the education field or they want to develop programs and things. I think you have successfully like navigated this space. Mm-hmm. How did you go about even, let's say, pricing the business when it comes to schools? Because some schools may be like, we don't have the budget for that or try to cheapskate companies that come in, how did you navigate that to be able to build the business that not only got into these places, but got compensated appropriately for it? Yeah. So, I mean, I had a couple of different people in the field that gave me insight advice, which was like all glory be to God, because I really didn't know. But I also had to price out my living, like how I could sustain myself teaching this program and sustain my rent. Like I had to really break it down to myself, you know, like, and also purchase these products. Because the thing about education that people might not know is that you have to put products up before you get paid majority of the time. So like their checks don't come for like 30 to even 60 days, you know, sometimes. Mm -hmm. So you have to have a lot of the capital up front. And so the principal that I worked with, she ended up just telling me, Hey, listen, I'm going to bring you to a district level and I want them to pay for this program because I don't have the budget for it. And when I went there, they ended up funding me more than I even, they started requesting, you know, amounts. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like, okay, okay. I think that in the educational system, we have to just understand our worth and understand that we're bringing uniqueness to the table. If you are having a relevant program or, or a program that is unique and innovative, then you can't sell yourself short because there's nothing like what you have. In 2016, I mean, there's companies now that are starting to do some of the work that I'm doing now, but in 2016, there was nothing what I was doing on the market at all. And so now I still think it's not as like 
I guess, as in depth or as many components as what my program offers now in social emotional learning. So I think that just knowing your worth and understanding like what you cost, because I mean, I messed up sometimes too. I'll, I'll say like, I was excited and be like, oh, I'll just take it just to take it, you know? But I will say that there are five figure opportunities for you uh, in this space where you shouldn't even like question that. Like <laughs> you shouldn't even question any of what you have because you got to think about it. Building a curriculum, even building those resources, it takes time. It takes a lot of your time. So if you add up your hours that you've done this work, there should be no question about what your worth is in this industry. And so I can't really disclose like the number amount, but what I will say is that my first deal was over 6K. So, and that was only for like a matter of 50 students. This episode is brought to you by Nom Nom. You guys know before I was the mom of a human, I was a dog mom. I love my little dog, Charlie. He's been through so much with me and his health and his wellness is a huge priority for me. And that's honestly why I'm super excited about Nom Nom because they're a pet health company that makes fresh restaurant quality foods for dogs and cats. So every single meal is prepared just days before it ships out. So once it gets to your door, it's fresh and it's perfectly portioned for your pet's dietary needs. What I loved about them the most is their convenience. I literally just told them Charlie's age, breed, weight, and health needs. And then they created a meal plan specifically based on those things. They're super convenient. You literally just open up the pack they send you, pour and go. Unlike other pet food companies, you can actually recognize the ingredients in the Nom Nom meals. So you could pick out the carrots from the peas, from the potatoes, from the eggs, and it even looks like something you'll actually eat yourself. And in fact, you can because it's made from restaurant quality, USDA grade ingredients. Plus, Nom Nom's foods are 100% sourced in the U.S. So switch to the fresh pet food that's backed by science. Try Nom Nom today and you'll get 50% off a two-week trial. Go to trynom.com slash blessed. That's T-R-Y-N-O-M dot com slash blessed for 50% off a two-week trial. Again, that's trynom.com slash blessed. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, that's really good information. And I think even too, for those who are looking to get into this type of work, she had her ducks in a row as far as speaking the school system's language. You know, she understood that here's this social emotional learning trend in the education field. Let me incorporate that into what I have. So now I'm coming and speaking the things that they want to hear, the trends that's going on and what they have going on and stuff that's going to set them apart from other schools and things like that. And then you had your curriculum, you had your intervention kits that were specifically for students who are in in school suspension. So you had the things together too. So for y'all who are building these businesses, make sure that you have something that is worth the money and not only the time that goes into it, but have your ducks in a row too, a curriculum that has benchmarks that will be able to show right. them numbers that has a track record of increasing attendance or right. the things that the schools are looking for. You need to make sure that you have that together. And I think something that's important that you said was you went and you tested 
the program so that one, you can see that it works and two, so that you can have data. That's important as well. I think a lot of times whenever it comes to, and that's not even just specific for education, whenever it comes to business, I think that we're always taught a charge your worth, charge your worth or whatever, but you ain't really do nothing yet to know (laughs) what your worth worth is. Yeah. Charge your worth, but like where the receipts, okay. That, (laughs) that you're actually going to accomplish what it is that you say you're going to accomplish. So I think that's something that any industry could take for their business. Make sure you're testing things, making sure you're getting data, making Mm -hmm. sure you have actual programs and curriculums for the things that you're doing. Something I wanted to really point out, if you guys didn't get it just by hearing her story, she said that she went from PR to now working in (laughs) education. So I'm positive that you going into this education background or these education sector where these people have these masters in educations, these PhDs, I'm sure these stay snooty in some of the positions like because it'd be like that sometimes. How did you deal with that feeling of being unqualified? Because that's a trend of God's, okay? He will have you doing all types of stuff you know you ain't got no business doing on paper. So so how did you navigate that feeling and not only just navigate it, but overcome it enough to continue to push in this industry? So, girl, listen, now... This is like a serious question. I'm so happy you asked this question because I was intimidated after intimidated after intimidated. Like I would go into places where I'm this young, like, and at the time I was 26, 27. So like I'm going into board meetings with like doctors and, you know, doctor in this and a doctor in this. And they're looking down at me like, okay, what? You're in what field? I had to go through that. So many times I got so many no's, like so many no's. And at the end of the day, I still get no's. I'm still going through this to this day, but God just sets me up for a favor. I'm telling you the people I meet, they just resonate with my story. They kind of like jump on my story so much and they understand the passion behind it. I hear a lot of times people always say like, I hear your passion through your voice. Like you don't even have to tell me you're passionate. Like I hear it in your, your voice. And so um, that means a lot to me because I really, really, really love what I do. I mean, it doesn't feel like work to me. I'm excited every day when I wake up that I can do what I do. But what I will say is that I had to really like hone in on God. You gave this to me. You would not leave me in here looking foolish you would not leave me in here looking stupid, looking dumb, you know, or even feeling that way. And then um, a while back, like probably about five or six years ago, one of my uh, pastors in Connecticut, who was also like a grandmother to me, she had spoke over my life and told me that I would walk into rooms with people of a certain caliber, people that's high up in their industries, and they would be waiting for me. Like I would walk in that room and they would know my name before I knew who they were. And she was stressing the fact that I would feel so intimidated by these people, but these people will be intimidated by me. And so God kept reminding me of that word as I was going into places, as I was presenting to people, as I was, you know, just trying to push my products and my resources out to so many different schools. He would remind me of that word. And then he also told me, Hey, Kristen, listen, like, you know, this was in my, quiet time. It was about 
uh, I was actually at my aunt's house before I transitioned to my place in D.C., he reminded me of my name. You know, he, he reminded me who I was. And it was really powerful to me because Kristen is a follower of Christ. And then Danielle is God is my only judge. And then Hopkins is renowned fame. And so he reminded me, like, I didn't name you follower of Christ for no reason. Like, you're following me. Like, you're not following other people. And then he reminded me that I'm your judge. Nobody's going to sit here and judge you on what you don't have and what you do have. I am your judge. You know, so like for my middle name to mean God is my only judge. Mm -hmm. And for him to show me that, like, it just was so powerful to me. And so I started gaining so much confidence. And of course, she talked to me also about, you know, God doesn't qualify or call the qualified. He qualifies the called and you're called. And so he kind of reminded me all the time, Kristen, I've called you to this field. I've called you to this work. You know, like all you have to do is be bold and walk in it. And so I know in the back of my first book, I have walking the confidence of knowing it says something. I don't have my book on me, but it says like, be confident even when you don't know where you're going, basically is what it's saying. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I was feeling at the time. It was like, God, I don't know where I'm going. I don't even know where you're about to have me tomorrow, but I'm going to be confident in this thing because you told me to. And so that's really what I had to learn and what I had to stand on and what I still to this day stand on because I know he placed me here. I know he placed me in this field for a reason. And I know he's placed me here to do something innovative that people haven't seen before in education. Girl, I'm finna throw this computer. <laughs> <laughs> this computer is two seconds from being launched across this room. Oh my gosh. But when you were talking, it reminded me of something I posted in the Blessed and Bossed Up Society. So mm-hmm. I started reading the Bible from the beginning mm-hmm. because, I don't know, I just wanted to. And I felt yeah. like, let me just start from the beginning to get the context. Because, you know, when you get to a certain point in your faith, like the bits and pieces of scripture really don't work no more. Like mm-hmm. you really have to. And I think, well, let me not say when you get to a certain point, I think everybody should start this way, seeking just full understanding of God mm-hmm. and not just picking out what works for the situation or whatever, but really just seeking to understand him as a whole. And anytime you want to understand something or you want to get the point of a book, you start from the beginning. <laughs> so for me, I want to just start from the beginning. And so as I was reading through and I finally finished numbers. The first couple, like Leviticus and not the beginning of numbers is like a lot. Mm. But um, <laughs> but anyway, so I was reading numbers. And so I finished it today. And I have this really good study Bible. And it was talking about how, like the people of Israel just never got it. Like they just never mm-hmm. could get it right. Like, and it's frustrating as it was for me reading it like oh my god they complain all day like they don't ever do what god told them to do it's the same as how we act but what really stuck out to me today was at the end it was talking about how they were pretty much getting ready to go into the promised land this is like literally right at the end of numbers and so in my study bible at the bottom it it summarizes what the text is saying but then it also tells you what happens next or whatever. So it talked about how basically God was telling the people of Israel in this chapter, how when you get into the promised land, I need you to destroy everything and everybody. And I need you to get rid of all their idols or whatever. This is what I need you to do when you get there. And when they got there, they didn't do that. And the reason why they didn't do what God told them to do is because they didn't understand why God was giving them that instruction. Mm. And so 
one that's disobedience, yep. right? That was the first thing. They was disobedient. But how many of us are disobedient because we don't understand what God is doing? He's telling us to go into education. But I come from a, a PR background. I was doing PR for McDonald's. Right. Education. Right. I don't got an education degree. I don't have a master's in education. Right. I don't have a PhD. Right. I'm not doing that. And then a lot of us, especially in entrepreneurship, we procrastinate, which is still disobedience. Mm-hmm. So just like them, because we don't understand what God is doing, we don't listen. So then what happened after they got there and was disobedient, they compromised because they didn't destroy everything that he told them to. They were intrigued by it. They were like, oh, what y'all doing? Oh, okay. So they started compromising what they knew where up until this point, like, and it's crazy because these people of Israel. So back in the previous chapter, God sent the 12 representatives of the tribes to go and scout out the promised land. So mm-hmm. they came back. 10 of them was like, nah, it's crazy over there. We ain't no way we going to beat them people over there. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb was like, nah, we good. Like we need to go over there and take the land like God told us to. So the people of Israel listened to the majority report as opposed to what Caleb and Joshua said. So they start complaining, rebelling against God, talking about Aaron and Moses and all of that. So because of that, God said, you know what? Y'all not even going to the promised land. I'm about to send you wandering for 40 years until you die off. And then I'm gonna let your kids go. So these people of Israel that I'm talking about that are going into the promised land, these are the kids. So these are the people who should know better because they wandered around with their parents for 40 years until their parents' generation died off. So not only did they not learn anything, not only did they experience the consequences of disobedience. So how many times have we, and I ain't going to start preaching, I'm going to get back to it, I promise. But how many times like have we been disobedient or seen the consequences of other people's disobedience and still didn't follow God anyway. So they did the same thing. They went into this new territory. And like I said, because they didn't understand what God was doing, they started compromising. And the problem with when you compromise is you open up the door for corruption. So now because they compromised of the practices, the idolatry and things that was going on in that land, then they started getting corrupt. Then they started having idols Then they started rebelling against God even more and all of these things. And so I say all of that to say, and that ultimately led to like their own destruction. But I say all that to say, It's so important for us to be obedient to God when we don't understand what it is that he's doing, because that's just setting us on a path to keep going further and further away from him. Right. You know what I mean? And so what I love about your story is that your story is a, a story of consistently being obedient to what God said, even when it doesn't make sense. Mm hmm. So what I want to ask you, I want to dive really into the faith stuff right now. How did you get to that level of trusting God? Like, I know you said that you grew up in church. A lot of your your family is involved in church, but there was a time where you got off of God. So tell me about that when you got away from the things of God and then what brought you back? Yeah. Conviction, you know, conviction Mm -hmm. brought me back every single time. And I think that God is, you know, you got to treat God as like, yeah, I wouldn't say your homeboy, but you know, he's your father, you know? So like for me growing up, I actually, I don't know my real father. And so that is a whole nother podcast in itself, but that really was a, a vulnerable place for me. And so not knowing that I've really had to 
lean on, like I have a stepfather and I love him dearly, but I had to lean on God as being my father. So like, for instance, when I would turn my face away from God and, and not follow the rules or not be obedient, it was always like consequence come. And the consequence would be much harsher than my friend that did the same exact thing. And she wouldn't be penalized as much as me. So I started feeling like some type of way, like, why am I getting into so much more trouble? It seems I'm having more struggles with getting out of this consequence or this problem. But everybody else is like, oh, yeah, it was a breeze. I got through it. But for me, it was like 10 times harder. And so I started realizing that God was literally like punishing me, like saying, you're not listening. So it's going to take you 30 days to get through this verse taking you a day, you know, if you would have just followed my directions. And so I started really weighing my options and being like, it's not worth it to not be obedient. And to this day, I still have to tell myself, Kristen, it's not worth it. You need to spend more time with God. You need to sit more with him, sit in quiet more, by yourself more, isolate yourself more, just so that you can continue to get the strategy and the direction that you need. Because where he's taking me is not a game. It is not a joke. It's not like, ah, I'm in education or, ah, you know, I'm building this company. It's like, there are lives at stake. There are people's lives that I'm literally changing. And these are, I wouldn't say babies, but these are young adults, kids that can go either one way or the other. And the other way is not going to be the way that's going to allow them to excel wherever field they want to go into. The other way is literally allowing them to backtrack and continuing to be, you know, a part of a generational curse and a generational cycle that continues to happen. And so the work that I'm doing is heavy, heavy work. And I believe that since God started showing me how deep of the work is, I believe that there's a deeper commitment that comes with it. And so not being obedient is a deeper consequence. It's like, do I want to take that consequence or do I just want to do it right the first time? And so that's really what started making me say, okay, God, I'm yours. Like, you know, I don't want no problems. I don't want no smoke, you know, with you because it's like, I'm going to just have to keep going around and around in circles every time. So I think that's where my faith just started, like going to another level. I mean, it's to a point now where, and I'll be as transparent as possible with this because I'm building a company, but my company is supposed to be a corporation, you know, like, and it will be a corporation where there are many people that are in my company that are working with me to get this work done. And so with that being said, I'm like, okay, I have to have faith on the finances to even fund all of these people that I already see working for me and working with me. I have to be able to, to have the resources and the faith to say, hey God, once these people are on, I know you're going to continue to make a way for me to pay all of these people to continue to work with me. So it's just really growing in a deeper level of faith. Because everybody has, I believe everybody has some form of faith, but like it's levels to this, this faith life. So you can have a little bit of faith, but when you go to a deeper level where everything you do you're literally trusting God. Every single decision that you make, even before you open your mouth to answer someone in a response for a meeting, you're in the back of your mind asking God, what is the answer? Don't let me speak out of turn. And letting yourself decrease and letting him increase in every single meeting you go to, that's the level of faith that I'm on right now. But I have to be on that because if I'm not on that, as I told you, God put me in a field that I'm 
technically not qualified for. So if I'm not on that level of faith every day or operating in that level of faith every day, I can't truly be who God wants me to be or who he has called me to be. It can't happen. That is so good. And I mean, it's so true. And I hope that y'all are really taking this stuff to heart as you're listening, because I think a lot of people want to be called or a lot of people recognize that they're called. And it's funny because looking back, I guess when God first called me and told me the magnitude of who I was, I spent so much time in the feelings of it. <laughs> like, Oh God, why are you calling me? Oh, right. me? Like I spent all this time in that thinking that, Oh, once I get over this part, it's going to be easy. <laughs> it's so much harder oh once God. you get into it. Yes. The responsibility is so much. Like I went through stuff the last few weeks and the enemy knows your weak spots. And so I'm like Teflon. I'm a tough chick, but I have weak spots too. (laughs) And he knows my weak spots. So he was hitting me right there. And I was to a point where I was frustrated with God because there are some things that I was believing in God for. And I felt like they was mine and I would see it happen and then it would get taken away. And I'm like, God, why are you playing with me? I would get to just this frustrated space. And I had to sit with myself and be like, Tatum, don't you know that the enemy got a target on your head? You're moving into new territories because you've gotten kind of used to the level you at right now, in a sense where, you know, the impact you have because you've had it for a little bit now. But you're moving into the point where the nations that you're impacting are going to impact nations. Come on. Yes. Like, do you understand what that means? That if you're helping people like develop their voice and creating shows that are going to reach millions of people, that means your territory is increasing. That means that you're triggering and igniting things in people that's going to be huge for the kingdom of God. Yes. You think he's not going to come for you? And this is how I talk to me. Cause I'm telling you, if ain't nobody going to hold me accountable, I'm going to get me together. Okay. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you don't have time to be worried about how you feel. You know better. God ain't never lied to you before. And God has been too good to you. So you cry a little tears, do whatever you got to do, but you better get up Mm -hmm. and get back to work because you got too much riding on this. Mm -hmm. I feel like just as I'm talking, it might be some people who are going to listen to this, who are thinking about abandoning their call because of how difficult it is. Or they may be thinking about doing it without God because doing it with him seems like it's taking too much time. Or they may be so overwhelmed by the fact that they're unqualified that they can't even get anywhere. Like the fear or whatever is kind of keeping you stuck. But You have to trust God. And that's something I'm reminded of what you said in the beginning about being mature about your business. You got to be mature about God's work as well. And a part of maturity, if you know you got a child or you got mouths to feed, no matter how you feel, you're going to get up and go to work because you got stuff to do. You got people to take care of. Mm -hmm. And so those of us who God has entrusted us with people, God has entrusted you with the next generation. That is serious. God has entrusted me with so many people and God care about nothing else in this world. He loves and cares about his people. Mm -hmm. So if you have the responsibility or the privilege to be able to impact God's people, you better remember who you are. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so we don't have the luxury of falling off. And some people may view it as a burden. It's not a burden. It's a luxury to do God's work. 
And it's a privilege to do God's work yeah. because he says he's going to go before me and make crooked paths straight. Yeah. He told me that everything I touch prospers. He told me that all things work out for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Those are like stipulations, by the way, because a lot of people mm-hmm. be like, things work out for my good. Well, sis, if those other two things don't apply, right, all things may not work out for your good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because <laughs> right. you're left out a part of the scripture. Right. So you need to get back on track. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. if Kristen didn't follow God, that accident may not have worked out for her good. Mm-hmm. Like I said, she might have been back in Atlanta wilding right now or whatever, or on Love and Hip Hop. Yep. Doing something <laughs> crazy. I was caught up in that life. I was caught up and like to be out of the life now and looking back into it. It's like, this is such a beautiful life. It's such a, I feel like I'm living my best life now and and Mm -hmm. it better than I've ever lived it before because I just feel whole. I feel like I'm doing the work that is literally changing lives and it's impactful and it's what God intended, you know? So those circles don't play around. When God calls you and he tells you to do something, understand the importance and the level of importance that you have to obey. You have to, you just have to. Yes. So what was the difference then? Because your PR business was successful and now you're successful in God's business. What has been the difference from that worldly success versus kingdom success? And how do you do things? Because you said something key too. You said how y'all would like pray before things or whatever, but it's not like the way that it is now. What was the key difference? First of all, I literally built this business off of the foundation of God. Like every single move I made, I was like, God, what's up? Like, what's up? Because I didn't know this, you know, this world like that. So I, I couldn't do nothing but either read a book or, you know, ask God, what's up? Like, where do I go from here? But I also have very amazing people in my life. Raven is one of my really good friends, but also one thing that she really, really, really helped me on besides, you know, some business stuff, but she helped me on just pushing me and knowing who I was in God. Because one thing about Ray is like, she wasn't raised in like, she probably was, I mean, she went to church, but she wasn't like her whole family wasn't involved in church. I think one thing that I admire about her so much is that she's bold in the calling that she had on her life. And I saw the transition from what, how God transitioned her and just how we both have been transitioned in our timing. But it inspired me so much because even when she didn't know what God was even talking about, she was like, okay, God, I'm just going to go after you. And that made me like, okay, girl, because I saw who we were in college and for us to both like transition was just a blessing to me. So I had to have those type of people around that were literally pushing me to walk in my gifts as well. Uh, But then also my mentor, uh, Dr. Kingsley Fletcher, he is a king in Ghana. He's also my pastor in North Carolina, but he is a very, and he's a dear father to me. I call him a father. He's a father figure to me, but he really spoke into my life and into my business and really was saying that you're called for this work and you may not understand it, but this is what you're supposed to do. And those affirmations and those declarations and really having people in your corner that is godly people. I'm not talking about worldly people. I'm talking about people that are literally standing on the principles of God. They are reciting scriptures in your ears. They are telling you that you are called. They are telling you that the work that you're doing is bigger than you can even imagine. Those type of people surrounding yourself with those type of people is really important to 
kingdom success, but then also kingdom success is a deeper level of success because you're thinking about material things and riches, but when your soul is just at a place where it feels rested, you know, like in God, when I wake up in the morning, like I'd be really like, if people could like have a camera on me in the morning, I'd be dancing. I'm like, oh, like I'm excited about my day because it's like I'm walking in my purpose. And that worldly success is like, you really don't know if you're walking your purpose. Like I have the times when I was like, you know, in my other business, I'll be like drinking and be drunk, whatever, and wake up and it'd be like 12 o'clock, you know, like I'll be have hungover. My day won't be successful. In this world, it's like, I'm getting up. Like I'm excited. It's 530. I'm waking up. I'm like, okay, God, what's today going to bring? Like, it's just a different feeling. And then your spirit of discernment. Like when in the kingdom success world, because your discernment has to be on point. And I pray every day for discernment because all money is not good money. All deals are not good deals. And I had people come up to me and literally being like, oh, I want to buy your company or I want to like do all these things. And, I'm, and it sounds good, but I'm like, nah, that's not what God wants. This is the work that he called me to do. He ain't called me to just up and sell what I have like to nobody or up and sell my ideas. Like he called me, Kristen Danielle Hopkins to do this type of work. So that's what I feel is a different type of movement. It's a different type of swag to have kingdom success and just to understand who you are in God. Because that worldly success, you don't know who you are. You don't have no real identity. You know, you're trying to attach yourself to every type of person that you feel like you have those qualities to possess. And this is who you think you are. But in God, oh, you want to know your name. You're going to know who you are. You're going to know why you came to where you are now, how you got there. And you're going to understand the foundation of what you stand on. Absolutely. Like that confidence that you can have. I think confidence is a privilege that we all have um, about doing kingdom work, but it's one that we don't often take advantage of because we get so focused on what we see or how we feel. Right. Those are the things because the devil would love to steal your joy. If he can't make the promise go away because he can't, he'll make sure that you're at least miserable until you get there. So I think that confidence is something we, for you guys listening, we got to hold on to that. Like what God told me to go to, go back to DC. I don't even got no place to live. Cool. I'm going because I know that my Lord is going to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. So let me just go so I could tell people the amazing things that God is going to do or God want me to do this. And I don't have no background, but let me go do it because I yep. know it's about to be lit because yep. I know the God that I serve. So I think if we walk, like you said, a different swag, if we tap into that level of confidence every day, like we could really make some things happen and not get distracted by how we feel, not get distracted by disappointments because of expectations that we may have set. If we really just tap into that, then you could live in kingdom success no matter where you are in your journey. You could not be making no money, but you successful because God said that he's going to make you successful. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's, And it's one thing I want to point out because I want you to tell your DC story, but it's one thing that I want to point out. You were saying about the importance of having people around like real kingdom people. And Mm -hmm. I want to tell you guys that's listening one, this, a set of people you need to stay away from as you're growing in the things of God and chasing after God, the number one group of people you need to stay away from are not the sinners. You need to stay away from the lukewarm people. Mm, come on. 
the lukewarm people are who's going to cause you to get messed up. The people who've been like, I don't believe in God, I'm not dealing with that. They made up their mind. That's cool. You know what I'm saying? They never like, hey, do you boo? But the ones you need to stay away from is the ones that have one foot in and one foot out because they're going to mess you up every mm-hmm. single time. Do not be out here telling your lukewarm friends about your business ideas. Don't be out here telling your lukewarm friends about the things that God has you doing that don't make sense because they're going to pull you back into the world every single time. Mm-hmm. God is so clear about this. He says you were neither, I think it's in Revelations, he said you were neither hot nor cold because you were lukewarm. I spit you out of my mouth. That is aggressive. You know what I'm saying? He is very clear about where he stands with things. Mm -hmm. So you need to be very clear in your decision making of who you finna serve because you can't serve the God in heaven and the God of this world, which is the devil. You can't serve both. Because the second you do, you'll be just like the people of Israel. You'll compromise and then you'll just put yourself in a corrupt state because compromise comes before corruption. So for everybody that's listening, I have to warn you, do stay away as you're trying to build your, you got into entrepreneurship, you're trying to build your circle. You want to be in the boss babe tribe and (laughs) you want to be the girl boss link. Man, it's better to be by yourself with just you and God than it is to be surrounded up with a bunch of lukewarm people. Come on, Tatum. Who out here in, oh, I started a business, so I'm somebody. Bye. That business ain't doing nothing. You don't even know you. Right. Like Kristen said, when you're out here chasing worldly success, you don't know what you're doing. You, you may have some good strategies that may make you some money, but that is nothing and it compared don't last. to what God has for you. What'd you say? Last. I said, and it don't last. What God has is sustainable. It will last. What mm-hmm. the world has, it will not last. It will look good for a time period, but it will not last. Absolutely. So y'all, like I said, stay away from them lukewarm people. But Chris, I have to get you to tell this story because like I said, you are just such a great example of blind obedience, just doing whatever God tells you to do and being like, dang, this worked. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so tell the story about you moving back to DC recently. Okay. So real quick, cause I'm going to try to keep it brief because it's such a long detailed story, but I will say I went to the Prosper conference last year. And before we started the conference, it was me, Tiff, and it was uh, Raven. And we were in a room and we were like literally laying before the Lord praying just about everything from the conference to, you know, just everything in our lives. And I think that was the first time I met Tiff in person. And I felt like I already had knew her, but we were just like going in before the Lord. And halfway through Tiff looked at me and she said, are you supposed to be doing something in DC? And I was like, what? Like, and it was like, I literally like stopped everything I was doing. And you know, Raven's mouth was wide open. Like, Oh my God. Cause you knew, you know, I, I'm in DC and I work with DC school. So I was like, Oh my God, no, what was going on? She was like, no, I hear that you're supposed to be doing something legendary in DC. So literally I got on the plane after the conference, got on the plane and I was writing for like, I wrote about 14 pages on my ride. I mean, on my uh, plane ride home. And once I got at the house, I couldn't even go to sleep. I went right to the closet and I laid before the Lord. And because I had already heard in my head and I didn't know it was God or not, I had already heard DC, DC, DC. And I didn't know what that meant. So I literally like lay before the Lord and was like, what do you mean by this? And so I heard God say, you need to move now. This is the same thing I heard God say when I went back to Atlanta. I didn't even tell y'all. I was went to my mom's and dad's, you know, wrote my book. And then I went back to Atlanta, which I never should have done. So I went back to Atlanta. And when I was in Atlanta the second time, 
it was like a gavel. Like I was in my office in Atlanta. I heard it was a gavel. It was like, boom. And I heard God literally say, it's time to move now. And he allowed me to move out of my, I had a townhome at the time. It was like a three bedroom, four bath townhome in Atlanta. And I literally called my landlord and I told him, I just got to go. I don't know why I got to go. I can't even really explain it to you, but I got to move. And he allowed me to leave there with paying nothing. Like someone moved in the next week. So while I was in my closet in North Carolina, I was literally laying before the Lord and I heard him say, move. And I said, God, come on. Like I'm in the middle of this lease. Like what you mean? Like, come on. And I heard him so clearly say, I did it for you before. Like, do you not know what God you serve? Do you not know who you talking to? Like, wow. I've done this for you before. You got out of your lease before and you paid nothing. So I'm like, okay. So the next day I started packing up my stuff. Like I started getting boxes and everything. And this was in, the conference was in what, September? So I started packing myself like boxes. Didn't know what I was doing. Just like packing myself boxes, like little here and there. Didn't tell nobody. I didn't tell my leasing office. I didn't tell nobody. I was just trying to figure out what was going on. And so went to DC, maybe like December and met with one of my cousin's friends, kind of find out she had a place that she was trying to move out that place and move to her new house and like got me in her place, whatever. So I was like, okay, now her place got, but now I'm going to get my apartment or whatever. So went back to North Carolina, praised some more. And I said, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. You know? And I was probably some office. They were like, you're going to have to pay like two months rent, place, da, da, da. And I was like, I'm not doing that. Like, I can't afford that. I looked at the manager. I said, I can't afford that. And she was like, well, I was like, how many places that like my unit is available in this entire complex. And she said, your unit is the only unit. And so I was like, so that means someone's going to rent it. Like, you know, how is it going to be the only unit that, that someone's not going to rent? And it was like the remodeled units. So she was like, um, I mean, you could take a bet on it. She's, I guess you just want to, you know, don't pay. And if someone doesn't move in, you got to still pay. But if someone moves in, you don't have to pay. You could just walk away. And so I was like, okay, cool. Let's just do that. Bet. You know, I was like, I think that's a deal. Cause all, all, I, all I knew was like, God, you're gonna have to work this out. Like, this is just gonna be safe. And so I literally packed up all my stuff, put, you know, a lot of my stuff in storage and moved down to DC with my other stuff. And my neighbor called me like maybe three weeks into me moving. And she said, hey, Kristen, just wanted to let you know someone just moved in your place. Wow. Now I was like, are you serious? So I dropped the phone and started shouting because I was still in back of my mind thinking I got to pay this money plus the money I'm paying now for rent. So I'm like, I dropped my phone, start crying and like shouting. And I picked up the phone. She's like, Kristen, Kristen, Kristen. Like, <laughs> are you there? <laughs> are you there? Hello? So then she started yelling my name and I'm like, yeah, what's up? I was like, I'm sorry, girl. I was like, I'm just like overwhelmed with joy. Da, da, da. She was like, yeah. And guess what her name is? And I was like, what's her name? Tatum, why was the woman's name Faith? <laughs> fell out I said God you are so funny mm. how could you let a woman move in their name faith like you was this is just a confirmation for me like for this this woman she don't even know what she done did she just thinking she got herself a new spot and I'm like you don't even know what you just walked into the realm that you just 
broke, you know, like, and I, I walk, mm-hmm. I'm walking into something so powerful just because you chose to move in my space and your name is called Faith. And so God was just reiterating to me, like, I told you, don't ever question me. Like, whatever I say that you need to do, you're going to do it. And it was the easiest transition that I've ever done in my entire life. One of the easiest transitions, literally, like I moved and boom, I was there and I got to work the next week and I was testing my theory of change and I was doing my data collections and I was making sure that the program was as successful as it can be so that I can push this out to even more schools that I'm working with and show the new strategies that we've come up with. And so God was showing me what I needed to do, but that obedience was everything. It was, it was key for me. And that's why, you know, I'm in DC now. Because of that, you know? <sighs> well, Mayor Kristen, it ain't really nothing else we could say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's really nothing else no. we can say no. at all. No. Mayor Kristen, it is nothing else that we can say. <laughs> so when you run for office, <laughs> just let me know. Because the mayor we got now, I think her name Mariel Bowser. She no. don't eat bumble sauce, so she got to go. <laughs> Like, <laughs> you know, I can for all my fries and chicken, girl. You don't got to worry about that. <laughs> so sis got to go. Yeah. So I know God is going to do some amazing things through you in D.C. And we already know about your political future. <laughs> that God done already spoke. So I'm just going to call you Mayor Kristen from oh, here on out. Okay, Lord. I'm going to accept this <laughs> Just let me know where I got to vote, where I got to go march with my signs. I don't care. I'll be out here. Okay? Like, we'll be doing, we'll be doing uh, our advertisements on Blessed Boss Up. Best believe. Okay. <laughs> DC Blessed Boss Up rally in DC. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but tell everybody like where they can get your book. Tell them about your affirmation book that you have out as well yeah. and where they can follow you, all that good stuff. Yeah, so you can get my book off dangersofthemind.com, any of my resources. We also have a clothing line. One of my really favorite things on my line is called Legacy Over Lights. And it's really important to me to for us to remember the legacy. Let's not live for the validation of other people, but let's live for the legacy. And of course, what God has given us to do on this earth and let's be able to fulfill that legacy, not only for ourselves, but for our families and our future generations to come. My affirmation book is a 30-day affirmation book. It's a 30-day challenge. And so every single day, it sets you up for a affirmation. Like, you know, the first day is forgiveness and freedom. And you have to speak those affirmations in the morning, the uh, midday and at night. And so one of a, a powerful quote that I wrote in one of my books or the affirmation book is for the second day is power and influence. And it says, know your power so that your influence can live up to it. And so I really speak to the uh, knowing yourself, knowing what you possess and knowing the power that you have within and knowing, of course, who God is in your life. And so that you can live up to that power every single day. You can live up to it with your influence, with who you reach. So that's a really good tool to use when you need to start speaking daily affirmations over your life, but just challenging yourself to position your mind a bit differently as you start your days. So all of those things could be accessed on or bought on dangersofthemind.com. And then you can find me on Instagram, Kristen D. Hopkins, K-R-I-S-T-E-N D. Hopkins. And then the company's Instagram is Dangers of the Mind. And you can find that on every single platform, whether it's YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. We're on it. Cool. So I'll put all of that in the show notes, y'all. So y'all can just click on the links and go wherever it is you need to go. 
Kristen, thank you so much. This was like, I always get this feeling when I have an episode when I know it's going to be good. And this <laughs> one is like top five. Of like oh, yeah. <laughs> So thank you thank you so much for being yeah. a part of the show just thank you for what you're doing for the kids like thank you working with the next generation I think is one of the most powerful things that anybody could do so I'm so appreciative of the work that you do and just thanks for sharing your story on the podcast yeah thank you for having me and hopefully my story has or will bless someone that's listening and allow them to understand that you know we walk by faith and not by sight and to just be obedient to what you hear and act on it. Don't wait, don't procrastinate because there are several people that's waiting for the gifts that you have to bring to the world. Amen. So that wraps up another episode of the Blessed and Bossed Up podcast. I will talk to you guys next week.